Back in the 90s, was anybody alive back in the 90s? Some of you weren't, I know, but most of you were. Back in the early 90s, there was a, a, a great film produced called A Few Good Men. Anybody remember that one? It's a great movie. It starred um, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, right? And the, the premise of the story, if you recall, was that there was a, a Marine that died on the base at Guantanamo Bay, and Tom Cruise, as a, as a lawyer, was sent down there just to tie up loose ends to make sure everything was okay. And he discovered the deeper he got into it, right? That things weren't okay. And one of the most famous scenes in movie-making history is in this. And you, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Watch this. I'd like to ask for a recess. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. The court will wait for an answer. If Lieutenant Kendrick gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel, Lieutenant Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you told Lieutenant Kendrick to do. Object! And when it went bad, you cut these guys loose! Your Honor, you had Marcus inside a phony transfer! Your Honor, you doctored the logbook! Damn it, Captain! You coerced the doctor! Consider yourself in contempt! Colonel Jessup! Did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You can't handle the truth! <laughs> Lisa just Peter Pants over there. <laughs> it makes you nervous, doesn't it, Lisa? People start yelling, ugh. Now... Uh, Colonel Jessup is not the most likable character, right, in this. But you've got to admit that what he said in that last line, you can't handle the truth, is the truth. Now, some of you don't want to admit it, but it is the human condition for us to oftentimes try to avoid the truth. What we really try to do, see, we'll try to convince ourselves that, that uh, we spend our life in pursuit of the truth. But when in reality what we do is we spend our life in pursuit of the things that will affirm our preconceived notions of the truth. Think about that. Because sometimes the truth... Um, moves us outside of our comfort zone. That's kind of what they were getting at in that, that scene there. Sometimes the truth moves us outside of our comfort zone, and it's just easier to, to seek out the things that affirm our preconceived notions rather than to seek out the things that are the truth. It just is. It's, it's human condition. But it's very dangerous to do that. Because when we... When we um, only seek out the things that affirm what we want to be the truth rather than the truth, we can deceit, be deceived. And, and instead of moving to the truth, we move away from the truth, which causes us to move away from God. So, this morning, by the way, for those of you who may be guests or visitors with us, uh, we have all of 2021 <clears throat> been on a journey through the New Testament book of Acts. And today is the last um, Sunday of our journey through the, the book of Acts. We're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 28. And what we're going to discover today, what I'd like to do in Acts chapter 28 as we kind of sum up our journey, is I want to point you to a couple of examples of how human beings 
um, sought out preconceived notions or things that affirmed their preconceived notions rather than the truth. One of them is just kind of an innocuous, not necessarily that important example. But the second one I will share with you has eternal consequences. And this is what I want you to, to, um, to glean, the lesson that I hope you'll glean from this, these stories today. Though it is the human condition to want to have our preconceived notions affirmed rather than to seek out the truth most of the time, um, we have the ability to choose otherwise. And if we left to our own devices, we wouldn't, but, but we have the ability to choose otherwise. And today, I'm going to show you what that choice is and where it begins. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to look in Acts chapter 28. And if you're using one of the um, uh, Bibles that we provide here at church, that's on page 1114. Um, and as you're doing that, let me just, I want to go way, all the way back to the beginning of the journey that we started back in January of 2021 and to kind of relay the foundation of what was laid for us all the way back then in the beginning of the book of Acts. In the beginning of the book of Acts, the resurrected Jesus, he's, he's been crucified, dead, and buried, and he's rose from the dead, and he's been walking with the disciples, with the believers now for 40 days. And he's been giving them final instructions before he ascends into heaven. And what we find here at the very beginning of Acts is Jesus giving them one final instruction. And it was pretty simple. He said, stay where you are and wait. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he said, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the promised gift of God. And that gift of God that he was wanting them to wait for was called the Holy Spirit. Very important, so hang on to that, okay? Put a little mark by that. He said, go back to Jerusalem, or stay in Jerusalem, and wait for the promised gift of God, which is the Holy Spirit. And then what happens is that on the day of Pentecost, as they have gathered there, dutifully waiting for what Jesus told them to do, God pours out the Holy Spirit on the believers, and the church is born. Now, this is very, very important to not only understanding where we're going to be going today as we conclude Acts chapter 28. What I just described to you is very, very important for you today. The believers, people who believed in Jesus, were told to go and wait for the gift of God, which was the Holy Spirit, right? And it was then that the church was born. And I wasn't I'm not talking about a building being built, right? What is the church? Who is the church? You are the church. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you believe and you have received, all right, because that's, that's those, those two things together are very important. If you believe and receive, you see, the believers weren't the church until they received the Holy Spirit. Because um, if they, the church, what God wanted the church to be is to, to be a simple and authentic representation of Jesus to the world, right? Sound familiar? That's what, that's what Jesus is calling the church to be, to share the gospel message, to share Jesus with the world. And here's the problem 
that the church would have had had they not received the gift. They would have went out and tried to do those things on their own. They would have, according to their own logic, according to what felt good to them, they would have went out and tried to be the church. And here's the problem with that. You ain't that smart. We think we are, but we are not. Oftentimes, what we perceive to be the truth is not the truth at all. In fact, sometimes what we perceive to be the truth actually leads us away from the truth. So it's only with the gift and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we get to where we were meant to go or that we are empowered to do that which we were called to do. So the two have to go together. You have to believe and you have to receive. Those two must go together. That brings us up to Acts chapter 28, okay? Uh, I want to share with you this morning from Acts chapter 28 a couple of examples of people living into their humanity without the Holy Spirit. The first one, you remember last week when Pastor Billy was, was preaching, he uh, told us the story about how the Apostle Paul and all of his shipmates were in a shipwreck and they ended up on the Isle of Malta, right? Everybody was saved because it had been prophesied that everybody would be saved. That nobody would be lost in this, in this shipwreck, Right? And so they, they get on, they're on, the, they're on the, this island of Malta, and of course they're wet and they're tired, so they decide to build a fire, which is logical. They want to dry out and they want to get warmed up. And so they're all gathering wood, and among those that were gathering wood was who? The Apostle Paul, right? And it says, now, we got it up there now? Go ahead and put that scripture up there. Okay. It says, starting at verse 3, Acts 28, verse 3, it says that as Paul was gathering this wood, a venomous snake jumps out of the fire and latches onto his hand, okay? And the natives of the island of Malta think, well, there you go! They think divine justice is taking place right before their very eyes, that Paul must be a murderer, and that he wasn't going to get out of justice because of a shipwreck. They're expecting him, because of the venom of the snake, they're expecting him to swell up and just die right there on the spot, right? But what does Paul do? Shakes it off. And they wait a minute, a moment, and nothing happens. So what do they do next? They then presume, because he's been bit by this venomous snake and nothing happens, they then presume that he is a god. Now, which is correct? Which one? Neither one of them is right. They had two preconceived notions because of what they had in front of them, and neither one of their notions of the truth was the truth. What is the truth? That Paul is a child of the king, called to be the church and to proclaim the church, the gospel of the church to the world. That's the truth. Now, that that one is not as nearly as big a deal as this next one. So now to jump to, to the end of the chapter, to verse 25. Paul has finally got to Rome. Right? He's been on this journey to try to get to Rome to present the gospel to, uh, to Caesar 
for a very long time now. It's been years, and he's been trying to get to Rome. He's finally there, and he's still a prisoner, but he has been, he's free to preach the gospel to, um, to the people that will listen who are there. And it says that some people believed because he preached the gospel. But it also says that some chose not to believe. And to their disbelief, Paul says this. He says, The Holy Spirit was correct when he said to your fathers through the prophet Isaiah that some of you would have hearts that would not believe. That your, that your ears and your eyes would be closed to the gospel. Therefore, I'm going to the Gentiles. Translation, listen to me now. You can't handle the truth! That's what he was saying. Really, that's exactly what he was saying there. You can't handle the truth, so I'm going to go to those who can. I'll go bring the gospel, the truth, to those who can receive it. Now, if you're like me, I... I hear things like that, and I just think, what is those people's problem? You ever do that? You ever get kind of like spiritually arrogant? I get spiritually arrogant. Why can't they see the truth that's right in front of their eyes? You ever do that? And then I start kind of puffing up a little bit. You ever do that? Listen to me. Quite literally, there but for the grace of God go you and I. I'm going to prove it to you. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, we have been saved by grace through faith, and even this not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. Translation? The only hope that any of us have to see and to understand the truth is the Holy Spirit. We, it, the, the Scripture tells us that it is only by the Holy Spirit that we can be wooed, that we are being wooed into relationship with God. That by ourselves we aren't smart enough or intuitive enough to do that. But the Holy Spirit woos us into relationship with God. Woos us to the truth. Well, some of you are saying, well, then why doesn't everybody see it then, right? Ah, now this is important. Because though it is true that God is wooing all of us into relationship with God, God doesn't make you do it. He loves you too much. You see, there comes a point when you must submit to the truth. Remember, it's been a couple of weeks ago now, but I, I spent some time at, at an end of a message, and I do this pretty regularly actually, but when we were talking about what it means to have Jesus as Lord, as opposed to just believing in Jesus, you see, that's, there's, there's a big difference here. If you, if you don't believe in Jesus as Lord, which means to submit to his authority, means, which means to want what he wants most of all, you're not, you, you've believed, but you haven't received. 
So in other words, you can't, until you have believed and received the gift, which is the Holy Spirit, right? You are unable to fulfill the mission and the vision that you have been called to, that, you, that which you say you believe in. You'll be left to, to do, try to fulfill it on your, with your own sense of logic and your own sense of what feels good which will lead you, what? Away from the truth often rather than towards the truth. You must, you must believe and receive. And it begins by submitting to Jesus as Lord. It is not a politically correct statement. It, in some ways, it goes against the American spirit to talk about submission and obedience but that's what's required. If you expect, have you ever noticed there, there are a lot of churches out there today? And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not casting aspersions because, again, they're but for the grace of God, right? There, there are just lots of churches that aren't living out the mission of the gospel. They're dying. They're not making disciples. Why do you suppose that is? I can tell you, it's very easy to tell you why. It's because they believe, but they have chosen not to receive. They're trying to do this thing, live out this call to be Jesus without the power that is required to actually live into it. There's a lot of Christians, and this is where I'm going to go from preaching to meddling, because I may be talking about you. Have you ever, have you wondered why God doesn't seem to use you to bring others to the gospel. It could be because you're believing but you haven't received. You haven't submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because if you're trying to do this thing on your own, it just doesn't work. I'm going to make this even more real for you. If you've tried to do life on your own, it just doesn't work. It doesn't. Again, I've got fingers pointing back at me, but if you've tried to do life on your own, you've made a mess of it. Right? Now, when you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, does that mean that, that um, everything then becomes uh, uh, unicorns and rainbows? No. Because you still live in a fallen world and you're still a fallen being. But what happens when you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is that you then have taken the, the believing part and put it together with the receiving part and now you have hope you actually have the power and the authority to live victoriously even in the midst of the brokenness. Today, I, you know, I say this every week, but I'm going to say it again because I never know who, who may be ready to hear it today. If Just because you read your Bible, just because you've come to church today, just because your grandpa was a preacher, it's not good enough. If you have never made the conscious decision to receive Jesus as Lord, you should do it today.